0: Great to be here with you this morning. Uh, we have been investing much of the summer, the last several weeks, in this series uh, we've been calling Thrive. And of course, it comes out of uh, this whole understanding that during this unprecedented time, uh, you know, that, that there has been many a time where I'm sure you have felt, I'm surviving, and that's a good thing, right? That that's sort of the, the, the happy mark. And, and yet, I really believe it, with all my heart that God wants us to thrive in all circumstances, And so we've been investing over the past several weeks uh, just on different steps that we can take that allow us to position ourselves in a place where God can help us thrive, even in difficult times. And so we're going to wrap up this series looking at the word growth. Growth. Growth uh, speaks uh, about becoming. And for the believer, it's becoming who we already are in Christ. That when we say yes to Jesus, that our position changes. Uh, We become his child, uh, we're an adopted child into the family of God. The, the resources of heaven are at our disposal. As we read the scriptures, there's, there's benefit after benefit, blessing after blessing uh, of being a child of God. And, and we, we get a picture of who we are in him uh, as we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that's salvation. But there's a process called sanctification, And that can be a messy process. That's the process of becoming the person we already are in Jesus. And I was thinking about that, and I came across this statement from Michelangelo, the famous artist and sculptor. He was asked one time how he created such beautiful sculptures, and he's recorded to have replied like this. The sculpture is already complete within the marble before I start my work. It's already there. I have to chisel away the superfluous material And I was thinking about that, and I don't want to misrepresent sort of what I believe the Word says and what Michelangelo says, but I think he has a point that really bears down on this idea, this concept, this reality of growth. And that's this, that when we read Scripture, we get a picture of who we are in Christ, and the sanctification process is really the Lord chipping away those things that are not of him to reveal who we are in the Lord. Now don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean we've already arrived and and we're already there, it's a journey. How many of you have realized that becoming like Jesus is a journey? And I'm guessing like me, a messy one at times. Sometimes it seems like you're flying, things are going well, sometimes it's difficult, sometimes you have a verse that you feel you, man, I'm doing really good at until the Lord puts a test in front of you, then you realize there's a lot of work to be done. But it's an amazing process all the same. But I'm glad that in Christ, he's given us what we need to grow because growth is essential for the Christian to thrive. Peter challenges us in 2 Peter 3.18, grace in the Lord and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter is calling us to cultivate stability, so to speak, through Christian growth and this growth, this spiritual growth, it's growing in the faith. Again, when we enter into a relationship with God, we're sort of new in the faith. We're like a baby in the faith. And, 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 and much like a newborn baby, we require nourishment to grow. You don't have to be around a baby long to know when they're hungry. How many of you discovered that? I mean, when they're hungry, you know right away they're hungry. Now, by the way, some of us haven't changed. If you're around me and I'm hungry, you might know I'm hungry too. But, but, but for a baby, they, 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 they only have one way of letting you know they're hungry, and they, they need that nourishment. It lets you know that they need that nourishment. And that should be true for the believer. Not that they whine and baby-like, but that there should be evidence that they hunger for the spiritual nourishment that comes through the Lord. A new or baby Christian needs spiritual food for growth. So Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, um, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, like newborn infants long for the spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. So Peter is saying, look, if you're new in the faith and, 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 and you do, you, you There's a ton you don't know about God. There's a ton you don't know about yourself. It only makes sense that you would want this spiritual milk. And this idea of milk in the New Testament is really God's word, that you hunger for God's word. Now, we understand in Scripture that hunger for God's word actually increases, doesn't decrease as we grow in Christ. The more we grow in the Lord, the more we know we need him. And the more we know we need him, the more we know we find him in his word. But the Spirit of God's number one way of growing us in Christ is through the Bible. The Bible through scripture. Just as a healthy baby needs to move beyond milk to solid food, Paul uses a sort of the same imagery with a different point to, to talk about the fact that we need to become self-feeders in our walk with him. Paul saw a problem with the Corinthian believers. They had come to Christ, and yet when he visited them again, they, they hadn't grown they were at the same place in their spiritual journey. And so listen to what Paul says to them. First Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. He's sending a letter. He says, I, brothers, cannot address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And now, even now you're not ready. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you're not of, you are not of the flesh of behaving only in a human way. In other words, he's saying, you're the same as when I first came to you. And to understand this. A lot of individuals have misunderstood the fact that Paul and Peter are using the same imagery but making different points. I've I've heard people over the years, I've been a Christian for many decades now, I've heard Christians say things like this. Well, that's a milk church, and that's a solid food church. You ever heard that? That's a milk church, that's a solid food church. That's because they're mixing up what Peter says with Paul. And we get ourselves in trouble if we don't read the word in context. Context is king when we read the scriptures. Peter is talking about newborn believers needing to get the milk needing to hunger for God's word, and that's a growing hunger. Paul's talking about believers who have not yet come to a point of feeding themselves. So it's interesting. When I hear a person say, give me the meat, what I hear scripturally is I'm still a baby in Christ. Like they think they're mature. I'm going to get myself in so much trouble here. Chris, help me. Like they, He's not going to help me, he said. Like they think they're mature, but they're really showing their immaturity. Because that's not what the Word says. What Paul is talking to the Corinthians about is being merely hearers of the Word. Come and tell me how to think. That the only time they ate was once a week when someone preached to them. Now, I don't know about you, but I couldn't make it if I only ate once a week. Now, it might be better for me on some weeks, but I'll tell you what, I couldn't make it. We need to eat regularly, don't we? And so what Paul is challenging the Corinthian church to do is to be in the word on a daily basis. He's not saying, by the way, don't come and listen to a message. Please come and listen to a message. But he's saying if all you do is come and listen to a message, it's only milk to you. It only becomes meat when we're in the word on a daily basis and we hear a message and we can put it in context of what we're studying and what we're doing for Christ. That's what Paul is talking about. Peter's saying, I man, you need to hunger for the Word of God. Paul is saying, not only are you to hunger, you're to hunger so much that you're, you're learning how to feed yourself so that even when you hear a message, that the message is, is a fuller message than what the preacher is saying, because you've done the footwork throughout the week of, of being in the word, living the word, struggling through the word. And so when we gather together. There's more power in what's being said, not because of the word, but because of how we've prepared our hearts to receive it. Again, Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I love this. This is so encouraging. God's divine power has granted to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now listen, he has given us all things. That all things are two powerful words when you put them together talking about what we need to grow. He hasn't given us a few things. He hasn't given us most things. He's given us what? All things. That means that the person sitting next to you in Christ doesn't have more things than you have in order to grow in Christ. We all have all things. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. God has given us everything we need for life through our growing knowledge of him. Just think about that for a minute. But let's go back to this idea of being a self-feeder. There was a study done over a decade ago that said that if a person doesn't learn how to self-feed in the scripture within five years, they never will. That is terrible statistic. Now, by the way, God can do all things, right? Amen, church? He stirs the heart of people all the time. But more times than not, what they found through the survey is if you've sort of come to Christ and and aren't in the Word, aren't in a one-on-one discipleship group we're going to talk about, them in, not in a Not you're not doing those things that nourish growth in Christ, but your chance of engaging in them really drastically almost goes down to zero after five years. Now, that's scary. Uh, but there is hope. I have a friend who, who I've been uh, doing uh, one-on-one discipleship with for a long time, and he said to me something really interesting not long ago. He wouldn't mind me sharing it with you. But he said, for 17 years, I hadn't had a relationship like this. For 17 years. So he's way past the five, right? He said, but God has just stirred something in me through studying the word with another believer. Praise God. Praise God. There's something powerful about being in the word and and allowing the word of God to form us. The spirit of God uses the word of God we know, not the word of God we don't know, to make us like Jesus. Peter goes on in verses 4 through 11, it's sort of a lengthy passage, but I think it's worth us looking at, because it talks about putting other qualities upon our faith, and that doesn't mean our faith isn't enough to bring us to Christ, because we know through Scripture that a relationship with Jesus is from faith from beginning to end. It's always based on faith, faith in Jesus. But what he's talking about is faith isn't lazy, (laughs) Faith is is an active word, it's trust, it's it's following the Lord's leadership. And so this is what he writes, look at verse 4, and we'll read down to verse 11. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brother affection, and brotherly affection with love. Verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For ever lacks these qualities, is so nearsighted that he's blind. Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins, therefore, brothers... Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, that's a mouthful. There's a lot there. But really, what, what Peter is saying, and the reason I think it's worthless looking at that passage is, as we grow in Christ, there are things that that we put upon ourselves may be better spoken. There are things within cooperation with the Holy Spirit that God himself places upon us as we walk with him. You've probably heard me say this before and it says where eventually, I do not think I'm the most patient person I know. As a matter of fact, I know I'm not. I know many more patient people than I am. But if I look back on my life, I'm a lot more patient than I've ever been. Like, patience is a work God does on me on a daily basis. Now, how has God made me patient? Well, he's given me opportunities to be patient. Like, he didn't just sort of wave the, the, the spiritual wand over me, and all of a sudden, I woke up and said, man, I am so patient. No, no, he said, Craig, I heard your prayer, and I actually prayed the Dangerous prayer. God, make me more patient. And I said, good. Today, I'm going to put you in a situation where you need to be patient. And I didn't do real well. I said, Lord, I need more of you and less of me. He said, good. I'm going to put that to the test. And the next day, he put me in another situation where I need to be patient. I am much more patient because of that. But it's messy. Come on, church. It's messy. But you know what my encouragement is? Is that I'm already accepted by God. I'm not doing it to be accepted. I'm doing it to become more like him. There's a big difference. When I get discouraged, I remind myself that, no, I'm already accepted by Jesus, and he's going to finish the work, but he's going to do it when I see him face to face. There's a journey this side of heaven. And I don't know where you are, but but sometimes when things just don't come natural to me, I sort of put them down. I own a guitar. I got a guitar when I was 23, 24, I think it was. And, and, And I got it. It was a nice guitar. Matter of fact, it's still a very beautiful guitar. And I started to play, and I realized I wasn't really good at it at first. Now, some people up on the stage were in the same situation at one time, and you know what they did? They practiced, and they practiced, and they got good. Do you know what I did? I put it in the closet. And and there's times where I go, I really wish I could play the guitar. (laughs) And I just feel the spirit go, then you're going to have to practice. And I go, well, I don't want to play that bad. (laughs) Right? Right? But there's things like patience and love and forgiveness that I can't have the closet mentality about. Because it's going to hurt me, it's going to hurt others, and and I want to be more. And so what do I do? I say, Lord, I'll practice. Put me in the test. Put me in the word so I can learn more about you and myself and what it means to, to possess these things. And by the power of your spirit, lead me and guide me. I can't do this without you. In other words, some of us give up. <laughs> like, like, like we realize we weren't being loving, and, 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 and what do we do? We, we say, Lord, make us loving, and we thought just instantly we were going to be loving. Right? And then we were tested. We weren't loving, and we put that loving we just put in the closet. And then we sit years later and go, man, I just wish I was loving, more loving. And the Lord says, we're well, going to have to put it to practice. You say, man, I, I wish I was more patient, with people. You know where I'm going with that, right? So he puts someone in the cubicle next to you if it's the most annoying person in the world. And he goes, let's learn patience. And you go, well, I didn't mean I need that much patience. It's <laughs> what God does in us. But he gives us victories in that. I mean, you've heard me say this before, and it's so true. I'm not what I ought to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. I mean, I'm a work in progress, and there are victories in my life, and there's still some struggles where I'm like, what, I just, I want to be more than He says, you know what, I've given you all things. I've given you all things. Pray, put self-control on, put knowledge, trust me in this. God's grace is that Christ is the source of godly living. That when we said yes to Jesus, he didn't go, Great, now I'll figure it out and I'll see you when you die. But we sometimes live like that, don't we? Don't we? I mean, sometimes when we live like we're powerless, and yet all things have been given to us. Have you ever said, I don't have the strength? If you're a believer, you do. No, I don't, you say. No, you do. All things. Oh, Lord, I can't make it through this. Well, they're going to have trouble in the world, Jesus said, but don't worry, I have overcome the world. Is there a trouble that we can't go through with Jesus Christ if you're a believer? Come on, church. Let me help you out. The answer is no. <laughs> because why? He's given us all things. We just need to learn to appropriate it, to walk in it. Again, it's not the hearing of the word alone. It's the doing of the word that makes it a reality in our life. It's not just reading the scriptures, it's it's allowing the scriptures to, to become a part of us. As we seek to master the word, the word masters us. And we have to approach it humbly, but confidently. And say, Lord, I know you've given me all things. Help me sort of become who I already am in you. Help me grow. Help me move beyond surviving to thriving. Jesus said in John 10.10, I didn't come to steal and kill and destroy. Is that not the picture of God from the world? Have you ever been around a a brother or sister and and, 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 and they're not in the Lord. They're not a brother and sister in Christ. They're just like a brother and sister to you when you told them you became a Christian and they thought you just gave up on everything. Like why would you go ahead and do that? You're not going to have any fun anymore. Well, Jesus didn't come to kill and destroy. He came to give life and give it, what? Abundantly. And only when you're in Christ do you realize that. That all the fake counterfeits of the world don't bring joy, they bring heartache. Only the things of God bring joy. But being a a believer, it brings a thriving to our life that we can't have without him. That's why growth isn't a matter of years in Jesus. It's a matter of commitment. I've known people who have been Christians many, many, many years and are still babies in Christ. Like they may even know the word, but they're still babies in Christ. They haven't really been applied. They haven't allowed the Lord to work it through them. They haven't done life with other people. And then I know some people have been Christians for a very short period of time, and they have grown in leaps and bounds Because they're in the word. They're they're studying the word with other believers. They're they're growing together. They're committed to it. I want to encourage you. I really want to encourage you. That if you're in Christ, be committed to him doing the work of growing you in him. Do the work of you growing in him. I, I really think the enemy through COVID... I don't mean he brought it, I'm not going to get all that theological stuff on that. We could be here for days and never come to a conclusion. But I really think through COVID, I think he looked at the American church and thought, I got it now. The campus is closed. The church is closed. And what he didn't realize is, like, the church isn't a campus. Come on, church. And all he did was take the church that was happening on a campus, the service, And put it all across our region and parts of the world. Like the first week we went online. I was like, oh Lord, how is this going to work? I I didn't know. How many of you guys think it took faith when we made that decision? (laughs) It was before the government said we had to. We just thought, this is what God's leading us to do. And we made this decision. And more people tuned in and were a part of that service than the week before. We have more people engaged in service, not on the campus, but through the campus and live stream and, and online than we normally would have had at this point in the summer anyway. And I go, yay, God, you're such a full devil. Like he was laughing and God was like, he who gets the last laugh. That's who God is. Chris decided to do small groups with Zoom and I didn't know how it was going to work. He took faith to do that, didn't it? And all of a sudden, we had more small groups meeting through Zoom. Like we had two more start up in a time when things were not supposed to. Do you know why? Because God has given us all things in Christ. Like we saw COVID and we still do. We go, man, it's a big deal. And God goes, no, I got it. I got it. But let me teach you what I want to teach you in the midst of it. Let me grow you the way only I can grow you in the midst of it. Let me let my church shine in a way the church can only shine when it's tested. See, there were things I believed about our church body, crosswinds, but I didn't know were true. Had no idea. I thought it was true. And I'm so thankful that I'm right. I was right. By the way, I like to be right. How many of you like to be right? See, I believe that our church was, was financially faithful to God no matter what. And you know what we found through COVID? Our church was financially faithful to God no matter what. I really believed, by and large, at Crosswinds that our people really did understand this message of growth and that they were going to find any way they could in order to continue to grow. I probably didn't need that anyway. And you know what we found out? People grew. They were part of small groups, they were part of one on one discipleship groups. My one-on-one group, we, we were on the phone. We were using everything we could to, to connect and make sure we were growing together. Isn't it great, by the way, that we went through COVID in 2020 and not 1920? Come on. Come on. I mean, if we can praise God for anything, it was I had to wear a mask, but I can go on Walmart and get whatever I wanted. And if I didn't go there, I can get online. You couldn't do that in 1920. Or if you could in 1920, you historians out there, it was coming quick. We're able to, to do small group together. We're able to do one-on-one disciples. We're able to pray together. I remember the day it was, it was still back in March. We didn't understand COVID. We still don't understand it much, but we didn't understand COVID and a friend needed prayer. And I said, well, come on over to the church. I was in the church, the church was closed. I couldn't let him in the building. Thank you. I think that might've been important, but I totally left the notes a minute ago anyway. So thank you. And, and he came And he came, it it was decent enough weather for him to come outside my window and I put my hand on his through the window. And we prayed. And I prayed over him and he prayed over me. Now, by the way, that wasn't my ideal way of praying. But man, God worked. Maybe if we haven't learned something in this, maybe what we have learned is that God is God even when our old ways of doing things can't be done the way they were done. That tradition has power, but when we can't follow through with some of the traditions, God isn't limited by those things. That maybe praying over the phone can still have power. That maybe if we're wearing a mask, whether you believe we should or shouldn't, I don't really care. Maybe just putting on the mask is a way of God saying, do you love your neighbor as yourself? Like, like here's the thing, and this is going to upset somebody. Chris, please, I know you're not going to help me, but I'm reaching out to you here. Maybe wearing a mask is a way to say to the person who thinks you have to wear a mask and you're one of those who think you don't, I love you enough to put this on even if I think it's ridiculous. And by the way, anyone in here who thinks they know COVID, you're lying to yourself because our leaders don't understand it. I can find you a scientific person to tell you what you want to believe. but I know what the word says we should be. It Doesn't really matter what they do. <laughs> I still got time, we're okay. <laughs> Here at Crosswinds we have a discipleship strategy, we do. We believe it's important that you learn how to, how to grow in Christ on a daily basis. And so I want to offer this to you. Every week you hear us talk about Yes Box. We usually talk about Yes Boxes to those who have just received Christ as the Lord and Savior. But if you've been a Christian for a while and you still don't understand or, or aren't having a vibrant time alone with God on a daily basis, go get a Yes Box today. Because inside of it is a way to help you do that, help you take those first steps. You say, well, if I go get one and I've been around church a whole long time, someone's going to know I haven't been doing that. Well, statistically, half these people haven't been doing it. So you're the one brave enough to go and do it. (laughs) Go do it. Don't keep what someone thinks about you away from what God knows about you. One on one discipleship. If you haven't been a part of a one on one discipleship relationship, get in a one on one discipleship relationship, it'll change your life. Like, I grew through my last one-on-one discipleship, and I've been a Christian for a long time. I grew. We grew. And now we're going to pour into two others. Get into a small group. We have Zoom small groups, right? You can do a Zoom small group. You can be in person small group. I mean, we're, we're trying to give it so wherever you are on the, on the red, light, green, whatever, you can be a part of growing. And you say, well, I don't have time. We make time for the things that are important to us. And becoming a great guitarist was important to me, I would have practiced. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, growing in Christ is important to me. You make time for the things that are important to you. Meeting with other believers allows us to ask questions, allows us to grow. We grow more in, in circles than we do in rows. Be a part of a ministry team. You say, oh, here it goes, recruitment time. No, no, no. Don't become part of a ministry team because we need you. And by the way, we do need you. The body of Christ is meant to operate when we all use our gifts together. Be a part of a ministry team because you need to be a part of one. Philemon, Paul writes, it's through the sharing of our faith, it's through the exercising of our gifts that we grow in Christ. Not just here on campus, by the way, maybe it's a spot, maybe it's CCI Food Pantry, maybe it's CareNet. But just, just get involved. Here, here's the other thing. Even if you're not a part of these things, you are a missionary if you're in Jesus. Everyday missionary in your home, your neighborhood, your workplace. Do you know what I love about right now is I get to be a part of a service with you and you who are watching. Do you know what I like during COVID? I'm going to be honest. you see, you like something during COVID? yeah. I worshiped with my family. Like we sat together and worshiped together. And I had them all there. Like it was awesome. Any grandparents out there? I was quarantined with my grandchild. Come on now. (laughs) That was pretty awesome. And and we worshiped together. Something powerful about being together and and, and ministering together and, and knowing our mission for these places Large group gatherings, so important. We put the glory of God on display. We pray for each other. We, we don't have to lay hands on each other to pray for each other. It's not the mode. It's the belief. It's the God being part of it. Don't stop praying for each other because you're speaking through mask. Now, I've seen some of you, if the weather's good, you go outside and you, you social distance, but you just take your mask off. It, that's cool. Go do that if you're comfortable with that. If you're not, don't. But don't give up on being the church. Don't give up on growing. Don't give up on understanding that all things have been given to us. We have support ministries here. If you're going through depression, divorce, having financial issues, we have financial peace, we have Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is the, a place where you can learn through scriptural principles how to find freedom from hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I really don't know why more people don't run to Celebrate Recovery. Like who doesn't want freedom from past hurts, habits, and hang-ups? And I've heard some people go, I don't go because I'm not one of those people, you know? Let me share something with you. All of us are one of those people. We all need freedom. You know what I love about Celebrate Recovery? Is it's anonymous. Like if you go, no one is to share you were there. And you know how I know people are at Celebrate Recovery? Because people who are there come and tell me. Like I tell Betty all the time. I know it's supposed to be anonymous, but I heard three more people went. Because they came suddenly and said, hey, I went. It's the best thing that I ever did. It's the most anonymous public thing I've ever seen in my life. Because God is doing something in them and they're thriving and they can't contain it. Don't let pride keep you, if you need freedom, from going to celebrate recovery. You won't regret it. Don't let the enemy whisper in your ear, Well, you're not that bad. It's not about being that bad, it's wanting to be free. There's freedom in the word and living together in, in the community of faith. So where's the foundation of Christianity? The milk, it's God's word. What's the meat? It's getting into it daily and allowing the word of God to master us. And when we gather together, having that word work in and through our lives. How many of you have seen a verse and then throughout the week, God reminded you of that verse in crazy ways? Like you read the verse, right? And all of a sudden, you're you're listening to the radio and a song comes on. It's about that verse. And then you're talking to a friend. A friend goes, hey, have you ever thought about this? And it's like the verse. And then you come here. And I hear this a lot, by the way. You come here and you go, were you with me this week? (laughs) By the way, I'm not a creeper. I don't know what you're doing throughout the week. I already have this planned before you ever got here. It's like the new car thing. You get a new car you never saw before. and You're driving. All of a sudden, everyone else has one. God does that. Get in the Word. Remember, it's not just a hearing of it, it's a doing of it. It makes it a reality in our life. Came across this story, it's of another sculpture. He was working, he was chipping away, and a child was watching, and he just saw these pieces of marble, large and small, flying this way and that way, and he couldn't understand what was going on until a few weeks later he came back, and in the place of that large block of marble was this big lion. And he said to the sculpture, he said, How did the lion, how did you know the lion was in that marble? And the sculptor answered, he said, because I saw it in my heart first. He said, see, sculpturing is about seeing in your heart and then revealing in the marble what you saw in your heart. Do you know what Christian growth is about? It's about reading the scriptures and getting a picture of who God is and who you are and then allowing him to chip away all the things that aren't of God to reveal that reflection of the lion that's within you. Jesus aligned of Judah. We, as Christians, reflections of him. God does not want you, church, just to survive. He wants you to thrive. Thrive in him. And so may I encourage you this morning, whatever your next step of faith is, take it. If it's to get a yes box, yes box. If it's to sign up for something, sign up for something. If it's to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't leave here without doing that. Don't turn off the computer without doing that. Whatever it is, take the next step. You won't regret it. He has given you all things, all things to prosper in him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your profound love. Thank you for giving us a picture of you and a picture of who we are in you through your word. What a blessing the scriptures are, this book that's made up of 66 books that teach us what we need to know to prosper in you. Lord, thank you for the lessons that you are teaching us as a church. Thank you for the work you're doing in our midst. Thank you for that pandemic, the decisions of others, our own differences of opinion. Can't stay in the way of your unstoppable church when we stay focused on Jesus. I pray, Lord, for the person here this morning who's, who's yet to receive you as Lord and Savior, whether they're on this campus or watching online, and I pray in the quietness of their own heart that they would receive you into their life, that they would take that step of being saved. And, Lord, in our salvation, you don't leave us. You're always with us, and you want us to grow with you. And so, Lord, that sanctification process, although it's messy, it's worth it. I pray by the power of your spirit that each of us in this room, if we're sensing that you want us to take another step, that we would take that step of faith. Lord, may we be committed. May we make the time to do the things you're calling us to do. That you would be glorified, that we would be blessed, and that others would benefit. Lord, I believe with all my heart that you want to do something in this region that only you can do. But I know that our, our our culture right now, our country, is in a time of, of confusion, it's in a time of chaos. Lord, things are changing. And yet I'm reminded in the history of our country that great revivals were birthed out of times of change, birthed out of time of chaos. Because people around were asking the question where is the hope? And the church was there to say, thanks for asking. The hope is Jesus. The hope is in a relationship with him. So Lord God, would you not bring a revival down on our region for your glory, but all would know the love, the acceptance, the power of Christ. Lord, continue to have your way in our midst. It's all for you, all for you. In Jesus' name, amen.